Hi guys, this is Doug Wagner. I'm the writer of Plastic and Vinyl, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> is that from out of the blue on a monday night on a holiday monday night it's crazy what's happening i need to be i miss you guys i needed it's to memorial be day explained. that's why it's memorial day well it's fun hopefully it's it is bonus <laughs> and, and hopefully it, it'll be fun oh my god no not for us it's all it's going to be fun for us i meant for the listener <laughs> God, Nobody wants an hour and a half of pain in their ears. That's true. Yeah. Hey, everybody. This is not painful because it is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 855. We're past Ooh. the tipping point. And I am Vince B. Who are Vince B? I am David A. Price. Indeed, you are. And I need a new place to live because my parents were killed. I'm Jason Todd. Wow. <laughs> League of Jasons, but, uh, yeah, it's no. Jasons, baby. You are not uh, best members, Kid Maudlin. You're Jason <laughs> Wood, everybody. Here today on this special episode, brought to you as usual by CheapGraphicNovels.com. Proof is in the name, CheapGraphicNovels.com. Go there, and you will save on your collected editions, your omnibuses or Omniboo, however you want to say it, your manga, all that stuff, because it is far less than retail. Take a look around, place an order, guess what? You know the drill by now, but I'm going to go through it one more time. Place an order, and you will be greeted with an email confirmation saying, thank you for your order, wonderful person. Here's what you want to do. You want to reply to that email saying, I was referred by 11 o'clock comics and guess what you will get free shipping credit on your next order hell yeah it's insane it's very generous and it's just part of part for the course for cheapgraphicnovels.com because you're going to save cheapgraphicnovels.com maximum savings maximum truth just gonna keep, keep, keep plugging Plug. They are the truth. Wow. Keep plugging that Max connection. I'm trying. Air Max. Love it. Yeah, all that stuff. Well, um, as I am not consuming the alcohol, I'm drinking the world's second best coffee. It's not McDonald's. It's an no. extra long... Stop. Extra... <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> you know what? Oh, no. <laughs> no, that I that is the same tone my wife takes with, with me whenever I... Ah. She can tell I'm going down that slippery slope. I am drinking an extra large sheets coffee. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. No. That's, it's really that's good. Fine. No, that's yeah. fine. I'm, I'll, I'll allow it. That, that, Thank I don't, you. I don't mind that. It's that's very fine. good. Very good. I you were going to say something else, and no, I just wasn't um, ready no. to hear it. And what would I possibly oh. say? We're good. We're good. What you drinking, Jason? For the airport. The airport? Something's loud. Yeah, there's a, a sound in the background. I don't know where it's coming from, but... My it's... windows are closed. I got nothing going on here. I mean, I, yeah, my windows are closed. I don't... It's so weird. 
It is. Huh. It's actually insane. Wait, hold on. Let me mute. Let me let me mute real quick and tell me if the sound goes away. One second. All right. Hold on. And it's yep. gone. Yeah, it's gone away. <laughs> Went away. Survey says Jason Wood. Well, that's really weird. Like literally, I mean, it's the same setup as always. That's so strange. Unless wow. um, you're sitting under an air conditioner vent. I don't have, no, I mean, again, I'm in the exact same spot I am every time ever. Well, then it's a mystery. And it, it you know, it's Skype, par for the course. It's huh. not, it's not, I mean, it's annoying, but you can still hear your dulcet. All right, you're fine well, now, you're fine now. Okay, weird. Uh, yeah, all right, right on. Yeah. Uh, I am drinking, uh, well, I have two things. I have uh, coffee, which is uh, halfway done, uh, and a G0 lemon lime. Yes, right here. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yes. Excellent. Uh, I am enjoying, uh, the rest of this, uh, it, it's, it sounds funny. Hibiscus Cosmopolitan. Uh, Ooh, fancy. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a, it's a premix from Spirits Labs. They're a, uh, a distillery, uh, in, in New York. This is, uh, Spirits Labs vodka, orange liqueur, cranberry, fresh lime, and of course, hibiscus. And it is fucking dangerous um they also make a uh, a rose lemonade which i had to buy a case of for renee because it it's it's a it's wonderful but it is it, it's it's the summer it's get it's, it's nice over some nice ice it's it's freaking delicious so once this is done i have uh i, I have my uh fake ass wannabe yeti filled with water nice must fake be ass wannabe he says <laughs> It's it's something I don't know who made it. It's a uh, oh Perka. Uh, it's it's a Dell Technologies branded water cooler. Huh. Whatever. Nice, nice. It keeps it cold. We have something new for you this week, people listening. Um, you will or you may be familiar with our single shuffle. Remember single shuffle? That is I where do. each of us selects a single issue, and we all read them. And talk about them. Well, this little game we have tonight is a variation on the single shuffle, with the exception that the issues selected are not just a random ass issue uh, that you wanted to read or you wanted one of the other guys to read. No, this is what we're calling the EOC All Stars. These issues about which we will speak tonight are some of our favorite issues of all time. Hence the title, EOC All-Stars. There are three, just like Single Shuffle, but these are the ones that really, really matter. The ones that we've read, love, but for whatever reason, we really haven't spoke on at great length on the show. So I thought this would be a nice way, a little bit of a clearinghouse, in order to talk about our all-time favorite single issues. And uh, going in, I was amazed at just how many single issues I love that I have not spoken on. Interesting. You know, I told Beth, uh, the wifey, uh, for those that are listening, don't know that, what we were doing tonight. And uh, she, you know, as usual, she was not in any way riveted. But she did say, (laughs) um, she did say, well, wait a minute. You guys have been doing the show forever. How do you know what you You've talked about what you haven't talked about. <laughs> we just like, do. Well, I'm like, we just do. I'm like, I'm sure there's things occasionally that we forget we've talked about. But I'm like, but generally speaking, I mean, we know the journey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, um, just to be precise, these are single or special issues. Like I, when I was initially coming up with this thing, I thought mm, magazines, no, disqualified. Right? We have both. Yeah, we no, all agree I, I, on I, that. I, yeah, I, 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 I co-sign that. Yeah. Which eliminates a whole mess of great single issues for me. What with the Marvel Monster magazines, a bunch of creepy, eerie, vampire-like stuff like that. So, the comics book is a magazine, and I've spoken on that enough. But so we eliminating magazines, and we also eliminated um, trade paperback. Like it can't be a single issue that is um, the equivalent of a trade paperback. Like if we brought Blab, the new Blab number one, to the mm. table. Like that's a single issue, but it's the yeah. equivalent of a trade paperback. It's big yep. and it's thick. These are just random ass regular series single issues. And we love them. But for whatever reason, we haven't really expounded at length on these issues on the show. So now we're here to yep. correct that. EOC All-Stars. We have three Love of them. it. We're going to talk about them. That's absolutely right. Yes. Okay, so, well, this isn't like a book of the month, but I should ask. So, um, well, I was going to ask a question, but maybe we should, should we say what the issues are first before I ask the question? Do you think? Yeah. Because I was going to ask, like, when the normal thing I would ask. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think the normal thing is is wonderful. And uh, so here are the three issues. I'll. I mean, I think we should each say what we picked. Okay. Um, I don't think it's any surprise that I went with Plop because I absolutely adore that entire run. But I went specifically with Plop number four for reasons I will. Uh, elucidate as i talk about it nice fancy words and shit yes so plop number uh, four i went and 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 well no because that'll spoil jason's thing uh i went <laughs> no it'll spoil your question i oh. um i went with uh a book that i've well, it's a title we've all discussed over the years, but this particular issue uh, holds a special place in my heart, and that is Detective Comics number 526. See? 526. Like, this is not, you know, first issue, last issue. This is. Milestone issue. Right. This, well, well, yeah, it well, is. It is. I know, yeah, it's sort of kind of, but at least, but it's not like it, it's not some milestone event that's like, oh, 700 sure, issue. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I went with Thor number three hundred and thirty-seven. Wow, it's uh, it's really crazy to think. Like I can see not talking about plop number four or Detective Comics um, five twenty. What is it? Five twenty-six. Twenty-six. Even though it is a milestone issue, but Thor three thirty-seven. Like we should have spoken on that. Well, I think we've talked about the, the – the, and we'll get into it. Like I think we've talked about the run, and again, we'll be vague for now because we're going to get into it. But like we've just certainly talked about the run quite lovingly and, and probably in some measure of detail over the years. But we've never done any kind of issue-by-issue issue right. sort of discussion of it. We've, Which is We've crazy. certainly touched on the plot points, I think, of some of the like key things that happened during the run, I'm sure. Right, in passing, right. But, yes. there was, didn't we do I, – I, did we talk about a Walt Visionaries? And did we like dance around – his store run a little? I know what, yeah, obviously, uh, we've talked I don't about think so. I don't okay. think we've ever examined 
the oh no 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 i think i think maybe walt's visionaries may have been a book of the month candidate at one point but okay yeah, yeah. it's not yeah. like but yes yes i mean obviously we were who, yeah. who wouldn't discuss walt's take on thor at some point but but uh and that's actually the youngest book uh in the um Yes, in this little uh, in most, this little yeah most recent meaning you mean yeah. most recent yeah, yeah. nothing nothing beyond yeah. uh, nineteen eighty three well we're old. yeah that, right M- mine is uh, cover date November eighty three yeah and yeah. mine's February yep <laughs> mine's <laughs> mine's March April nineteen seventy four yeah, yeah you're my was, birth uh, I was barely yeah. two yeah I be I wasn't born when that issue came out mm. well we're all better now that you are. Mm. Yeah, you know. Facts. Yeah. So ask your question. Planet Rebirth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, well, let's start with you, Vince. Um, of the three issues, because mm-hmm. normally we ask this of one thing when it's the book of the month, but of the three issues, uh, when did you first, do? If you, recall, if you recall, when did you first read them? Well, I bought two of them off the rack. Uh, so, I ha- well. The one I didn't read ever. Is David's? Really? No shit. Yeah. Runs me. Yeah. That, yeah because absolutely. you had. I'm with you. You had such a huge Batman collection. Yeah. Well, I had that issue, and I I sold it to Campbell, but, 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 but I never read it. Reading? No. Wow. I never read it. Yep. I would have assumed you were three for three off the stands. But. No. No. The Batman is the okay. outlier. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Uh, all right, Dap. How about you? Uh, I read plot for the first time uh, yesterday. Uh, the other two were bought off the rack. You are welcome. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and then so so and then probably not surprising to anyone, um, I bought. Well, um, I didn't buy three thirty seven off the rack because I was uh, nine years old when it came out. But I did buy it like uh, probably like two or three years later when I started collecting in earnest. Like I bought, like I went back and bought all this all the assignments and stuff because he was still doing the book when I started reading comics and was he was the first art. Well, we'll get into that. But like, so I did buy it off the. I bought it in the back issue bins and read it probably in like 1986, roughly 86, 87. Um, but the other two I read for the first time this week. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So who wants to be the first to launch into our EOC All-Stars? Uh, well, why don't I go first? Because all of us had read this before this week. Cool. Like this is the one that's most familiar. Now we should uh, specify the original colorist. Yes. On this issue was George Russo's. Yes. But the one we read is the recoloring for the Simonson. I think it's Simonson Visionary. Thor. Book. Thor by Walt Simonson, Volume One. Well, yeah. So this one was colored by Steve Re- Oliff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So, no, I read the original because I read it on Marvel Unlimited. Okay. Oh, we don't have that. So yeah. We didn't so, uh, so that would be interesting how that compares. I guess, well, we won't really be able to say how it compares because we didn't each read both. But Well, the um, Olaf yes. is much slicker. And, right. And there's yeah, a lot of lot more gradations in, in the old. Right. Yeah. Well, so, so my, as I said, my issue is Thor number 337, cover date November 1983, on shelves August 1983, uh, for those listening at home, I'm sure many of you know why I picked this, but for those of you who are noobs to it, uh, I chose this issue because it is the first issue of the heralded Walt Simonson era. Um, he took over this book as the writer and artist on this issue, 
and would go on to write and draw the book through issue number 367, so uh, 31 issues. Uh, and then he maintained uh, as the writer until issue 382 with uh, who was on Art Boys? Do you remember? Primarily? Do you remember who took over for him? Uh, was it Sal or Ron Friend? Yes, it was Sal. It was Very Sal, good. Yeah. Sal Buscema. Yep. Sal Buscema took over for him. Um, one, one, just one minor point I wanted to make before I get into the issue is, um, you know, it's just funny how your mind plays tricks on you. I forgot how short Walt's run is on this book. Mm-hmm. Like so much happens, and I remember so much of his run that I realized, like, I pretty much remember the entire run because, like, I would have thought like there were like entire arcs that I just don't really quite remember. But no, I mean, he only did, the, like I said, he only wrote and drew the book for thirty-one issues, which is certainly not an insignificant chunk, but it's less than three years. And I mean, if you think about, I mean, think of like Jason Aaron wrote Thor for what, seven years. So like, if you just think about it in that way, right, it's, it's, it's a a pretty, it's a much shorter run than I remember. Now he wrote the book for nearly five years to be fair, but, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I think when most of us talk about the Simonson run, like we're pretty much talking about the period where he writes and draws it. Um, now, um, I went back just for fun, after we decided to do this and reread issue number 336, the preceding issue. <laughs> do you guys remember anything about that issue or who wrote it or drew it? Without that, that, looking oh, it um, was it, uh, was it David Anthony Kraft? No, no, it wasn't. No, it was, Oh shit. No. Um, I do know too. Damn it. Was the crusader, <laughs> the, the bad guy in it? Uh, no, I don't remember, but it's, it probably it has written, the wrecking crew in it. <laughs> no, it was written by Alan Zelenitz. Yes, Ooh, thank you. Yeah. Yes, with uh, with Trimpy on art, actually. Nice. Oh, okay. Then it's not yeah. That you're thinking about. Um, yeah, and it was a, it was a totally forgettable uh, issue, but uh, I guess which is why it got relaunched. Um, but yeah, so so back to the issue. Uh, so three thirty seven is the start of the infamous or the the famous uh, Walt Simonson run, and it is. Um, you know, we've talked a lot over the years about how covers back in the day felt like, at least to me, they meant more because they kind of told a story. Oftentimes they'd have word balloons. Um, now, this particular cover doesn't have word balloons, but it's it's one of the most memorable covers for me. I, I, I can there aren't many. I'm not a cover person, so there aren't many covers like when you bring up an issue like where I immediately can pull the cover into my mind's eye. Uh, probably much less so than either of you guys, but 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 this is definitely one where I do. Re- it's one of the reasons I picked it. I, I can remember the cover vividly. Um, it is it is basically the Thor logo getting ripped, smashed asunder by Beta Ray Bill uh, in the form of of Thor uh, smashing the hammer. And um, so this was uh, this was not only the start of Walt Simonson's epic run, but it also is the first appearance and introduction of Beta Ray Bill. So I have no doubt that our boy Cliff will listen to this episode gleefully. Um, yeah. So um, now, because this was Marvel in the 80s, even though issue number 336 was by a different creative team and was rather blasé, this does pick up right after it, which is to say that uh, the status quo is the same. Donald Blake is um, – Thor is Donald Blake, uh, again, for those of you that are – new to the to the mythos at this time in thor's run he was um living a double life quite literally he was part-time uh, a human named donald blake who was a doctor a surgeon um and he was a surgeon with um i don't remember do you guys remember? like he he, wore, he had to walk with a cane he was he was not like all that yeah, he was, strong he was lame. yeah yeah i don't remember like if they even explained why but yeah he was pretty much like feeble and uh but a great surgeon 
and when he struck his his wooden cane uh, to the ground, it would transform him into Thor, kind of like Shazam style, and and and, it would, and the cane, the cane would turn into Mjolnir. Um, he is just basically living his life that way, walking, leaving the hospital, walking through the streets, and uh, a, an, an incredibly drawn Nick Fury uh, rolls up. Uh, and basically says, get in the car. And so Donald Blake gets in the car and he sa- and basically Fury says, I, I need your help um, with something that's come up. And the car, of course, because it's Nick Fury in the 80s, the car, the wheels turn in, it turns into a flying car and they fly off to the helicarrier. And uh, Donald Blake's playing dumb. He's like, what do you mean you need my help? Like, what am I going to do? I'm just a doctor. I'm just a, you know, I'm just a, I'm just a, a Joe. Uh, and, and Nick Fury's like, bruh. Yeah. You're, 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 you're Come on, I son. I want to hear Sherry say, "Bruh." Yeah, he's like, yeah, "Come on, son." He's like, "You are." He's like, "I know you're Thor." We, he's like, "He's like, don't worry, no one else knows, but I know because I'm Nick Fury." Like, I know you're Thor. I need Thor. Fury, bitch. Yeah. yeah so, so they go to the helicarrier. Bitch. They roll into a big briefing. There's like, you know, for a, a an espionage organization, there were like a thousand people in this briefing. So, I, <laughs> this is yeah, so there's a lot. Secretive. Yeah, it's a lot of freaking people in the briefing. But anyway, um, Jasper Sitwell of uh, of MCU Hydra fame is uh, is is debriefing everybody on the fact that there is this um, this alien spacecraft that they have. They have Shield has this deep space probe, this top secret probe, and it picks up this spacecraft. And the spacecraft appears on the video footage of uh, consuming a star um, to fuel itself, and it looks like the trajectory of the ship is heading towards earth and they're freaked out about that because theoretically a ship is powerful enough to consume a star who knows what it could do and what it might do to the earth so they want thor as apparently in this comic thor is the only hero in marvel universe capable of going into space uh to go into space and try and figure out what's up it's um, probably the only one fury can actually blackmail into going since he knows his identity <laughs> Maybe, but like I would think, <laughs> I, know, I would think he's I got know. files on everybody. Like Jay he knows Hoover. all the Avengers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's just the tone for for the meat of the issue. But then the, um, Simonson shifts to different different uh, pieces of the Marvel universe throughout the book. We then shift to Asgard, and uh, Lady Sif is trying to find Balder, aka Balder the Brave. And it, it is worth mentioning that in 336, um, Sif leaves Earth. She was living on Earth with Thor because they were together, a couple. And she goes back to Asgard because she misses it and basically gives Thor an ultimatum. She says, come back to Asgard with me. And Thor's like, no, nah, I can't. You know, I got I got stuff to do here. So she low-key breaks up with him and goes back to Asgard. But she's still trying to find her way. She's back in Asgard. She tries to find Balder. And he's just... He's verklempt. He's like Ben Affleck on a bender. Like he's in the bar at the tavern, drunk, kind of out of shape, overweight. Woe is me. You know, he's like, I'm not bald of the brave anymore. He's in his feelings, basically, Drake style. And, um, you know, Sif's not really having it. She's like, dude, like, get yourself together. Um, dude, and, you, you, uh, are, you are totally glossing over something. What? Sif is looking for dick. She's looking. Yeah. She is pining for it. She's like. Balder, I know, you know, we haven't exactly been blah, 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 but I, I, I need your strength, your, your, your understanding, your, your, your tenderness. Like, she's looking for somebody to sleep with. I'm trying to dance around that because I don't want her to be a hoe. <laughs> she is a hoe. She's totally a hoe in this. She even goes yeah, up to enough. poor Himdal and she's like, yeah, I need some stuff. He's well, like, no, well. No, Himdal's her brother, dude. 
So. <laughs> well, she caught. No, she's not trying to get dick from Heen Dahl. Like, she actually says, like, what? Anyway, yeah, he does. What I love about that, though, what I love about this page is is here's, here's Heimdall, and he's like, wow, who's. Someone approaches. My man can see like yeah, he can see a freckle on an ass. Goddamn bridge! Who's coming out? Like he's got a squint and shit. It's like he can see a microbe on an ass and like like a universe away. But did you just sniff coming twenty yards? What up, sis? Did you just did you just say Hamdal has to squint? Yes, he did. Doing Idris Elba rough like that? Yeah, what is that? Um, so so then we shift back to Thor and he's 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 out in space now trying to get to the ship and he gets to the ship and uh now of course we in modern parlance know this ship lovingly as Scuttlebutt. Yes. A a, a sentient ship which ends up playing a, a role throughout Marvel history in different ways. Um and we probably I guess most recently saw it in Daniel Warren Johnson's fantastic Beta Ray Bill miniseries. Um, but at this point, it's just a ship. We don't we, we, we have no reason to think anything of it other than it's just this giant alien ship. Um, and Thor's rolling up to it, and it as you as you would expect, it it has defenses, cannons and the like, and it's attacking Thor. But um but I will say Thor makes quick work of it. I mean, for this ship that can theoretically eat suns, like it it doesn't put up much of a fight against Thor. Um, and he breaches the hull, I think, relatively easily. And as he's walking through the hull of the ship, he comes across this large crystalline structure in the middle. And he assumes that's the power supply. Now, I guess Thor must be nearsighted because we all can see that there's a there's a figure in shadow inside <laughs> yeah, of the crystal. But, but I guess my man Thor can't Asgardians quite see that. Asgardians do not have good eyesight. Yeah, right? <laughs> Asgardians need a god, a god of optometry. Shit. <laughs> I'm saying um, that ain't right. Um, but so Thor goes near to the crystalline structure to investigate, and an arm breaks through the crystal and grabs him. And then, then we shift scenes again to Loki, and uh, Loki is sitting on a throne, looking bored AF. And in fact, he says he is bored AF because he is in exile, as he is often, uh, and he doesn't want know what to do. But uh, somehow, despite being in exile, there's lots of activity around him. And he is uh, made aware of the fact that there's some Asgardians hunting a troll. And uh, because he's bored, he's like, well, I'm going to go see what this is about. And he comes across the situation and intervenes. Again, I'm still not quite sure why he would care one or the other, but I'm guessing it's just because he's bored and figures like I got nothing better to do. And uh, during the intervention of the hunt, there is this uh, beautifully drawn buxom young Asgardian woman uh, in classic Simonson form. And her name is Lorelai. And she intervenes in the whole situation as well. And she will play a role in the series uh, from there. Uh, but then we shift back to the, to the ship to Scuttlebutt. And uh, now we see who broke through the crystal to, um, to attack Thor. And it is a giant armor-clad alien in very much like Kirby-esque kind of new god-looking gear. You know, red-white, like metallic, but very, very Kirby-esque, I think, by design. Um, and... And is is um, pontificating to Thor because in his mind, like this ne'er do well has broken into his his sanctum and, and attacked him, and he says that his name is Beta Ray Bill. Uh, and again, like people now are like, oh yeah, Beta Ray Bill. That this is the first we're ever seeing or hearing of that name. Um, then they do battle in some amazing scenes for a few pages, and it's pretty much back and forth. Um, but as they're battling, because the ship is 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 still flying through space, it it nears Earth's orbit or gets close enough to Earth's orbit that um, that as 
Thor loses his hammer in the battle, um, he turns back into Donald Blake because the way it's set up now, you know, again, when he's on Earth, he can transform into Donald Blake. So he transforms it when he let go when he lets go of, of Mjolnir, he transforms back into Donald Blake. So he that's what happens here. So as he's fighting Beta Ray Bill, he becomes Donald Blake. And Beta Ray Bill's like, this is a strange transformation because he goes from, you know, God of his equal to this frail dude who's like clearly not as equal, but he's like, whatever. And, um, and, and as this is all happening, the ship enters Earth's orbit and S.H.I.E.L.D. is, uh, is attacking, uh, the ship, understandably, to try and defend the Earth because it doesn't know what it's getting into. And, um, Beta Ray Bill conveniently grabs the stick, uh, Donald Blake's walking cane and magically turns into a, Thor-like version of himself, old horse face, uh, and then does battle with S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, of course, the aha, holy shit moment here is that this alien who we had never seen before is able to wield Mjolnir, which we know is pretty much impossible for anyone to wield but Thor unless you're worthy. So we're to assume, oh my gosh, this alien isn't a bad person at all. He's worthy of wielding the hammer. Um, and He's battling S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, they don't quite, like, understand what's going on. They uh, kind of think it's Thor, but they're not really – they're confused why Thor would be attacking them. They're just – you know, but they're they're still fighting it. And then um, and then out of nowhere in a great – I think great, greatly drawn scene, um, uh, Odin appears in pretty much like taking – like a celestial version. It's, it's Odin talking, but like uh, Clash of the Titans uh, kind of style where, where he's he's taking up the whole the whole – sky basically and uh looks three or four times larger than the helicarrier and he says uh you know my son i need you we need you back on asgard immediately and zaps uh thor back to asgard but the conceit here is that thor in this moment is not our thor odinson it's beta ray bill and all of a sudden beta ray bill's gone from the battle and donald blake is hanging from the ship like hanging off the side of the ship and is, uh, you know, alone and he realizes what's happening and he thinks he's been, you know, basically abandoned by his father. And he's standing on top of Scuttlebutt screaming, father. And uh, and that's like a final page splash. And that's how the issue ends. Um, yeah. So, I mean, now this, is, of course, like for those I'm sure many people are very familiar with how it goes from here. Like it's pretty cool in the sense that Beta Ray Bill goes to Asgard and helps them in battle and eventually gets um, because he's certainly not going to continue to wield Mjolnir, but because he proves himself to be so worthy of, of wielding Mjolnir and as a hero and a friend, he ends up getting his own hammer, which then to this point, even, even in the current Marvel continuity, he is able to use that hammer in the same way that Thor uses Mjolnir and he can transform into this version and the like, and, and there is the birth of Beta Ray Bill. So they both exist coincident now, but at this point they were obviously not coincident. Um, yeah, and I will tell you, man. Like, looking at the, and you know, we all love Herb Trimpey. I mean, I, I mean, we all met. We fortunate enough to meet the man before he passed away. You know, got him to, to draw something for me. Like, I, I'm a huge fan of Herb Trimpey, but like seeing the art in three six three thirty six, and then seeing this art, it reminded me of why. Well, it, let me say it another way. Rereading this um, reminded me of. I sometimes forget how important Walt Simonson is on a very short list of artists who I think made me a comics fanatic because 
I remember vividly as a young kid going to the comic store and just picking up issues that look cool. And Simonson was absolutely unequivocally the first artist that I recognized as an individual drawing things. Meaning like I recognized his style and it was super cool. And I thought, oh, there's different people drawing these comics, you know, because, again, I was like 11 or 12 years old. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. They're like different people draw comics. and They look different. And have different styles and have different abilities. And Simonson was the first one that I'm like, oh, my God, this is incredible. This guy's amazing. And um, I feel like sometimes I forget how important he was in the very earliest stages of my fandom. Uh, but looking at this issue, man, like I think this issue and, and his run visually holds up to anything we've seen since, including stuff today. And and I don't think a lot of comics that I go back and reread from the 70s and 80s visually are always, I can always say that. Like, there's nostalgia pull to a lot of them, but like visually I don't know that they're quite as as amazing, depending. Sometimes they are, obviously. But in this case, I was like, man, like this is still vibrant and modern and exciting and different. And uh, it's it, it was amazing. I loved it. I loved revisiting it. I thought having the guy write and draw it was awesome because, you know, you saw this cohesiveness, including like the way that the words were, the word balloons and the sound effects were all integrated into the panels, which we just don't see very often. And uh, man, oh, man, uh, I had a blast revisiting this stuff. And admittedly, this isn't the first time I've reread this. I mean, I because I've certainly read like I, the, the, you know, the in the omnibus and the collection and stuff. So, like, I, I've definitely reread the the quote unquote Simonson run before, but but it's been a minute and um, I've really had a blast with it. So nice. I hope one you guys of, enjoyed it as much as I did. Yeah, one of the things that uh, – it was a refresher for me in that just how tightly crafted the issue was on mm-hmm. Simonson's part because there, there's a there's an emotional bookend bookends to this issue. Like Blake starts off kind of woe is me, you know. Yeah, the the yeah. burden is horrible sometimes and it's such a, a lot to, to take in and I'm always on alert. But you know what? It's not bad being the, the the god of thunder. Like being Odin's son is pretty cool. And then at the end, he gets that taken away from him, and he's like, yep. "Father," you know. So that that was really neat. That Walt conceptually went from light to dark so quickly within the scope of one issue. And then the the opening scene with Surtur, like no one knew what the hell was going on there. Like that was cool, but it's like, what what is this? Somebody's making something on a cosmic forge. I don't understand this. What is it? But it it plays out later in the series, right? Um, I just I thought this issue was it's it's a one of those um, all timers. It really is. There's, yeah, it's kind of flawless, uh, really. Yeah, I, I had a little mini panic attack when he came up with this idea because I loved the idea, but I'm like, fuck, like what have we not talked about? Like we've ta- we've done this show for 15 years. Like we we've, we've covered the stuff we love the most. And then I just kind of cleared my mind and thought, well, there's got to be something. And this came to me, and then I, I'm like, I hope when I reread it, 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 it's worthy of the choice. But I think it was. I mean, I definitely feel oh, like I, I think feel so like, too. Oh yeah, this is an all timer. Like this is. And again, like I, you know, I think I could have picked many issues from this run, and it would have been awesome to talk about. But it just felt cool to talk about the first one because, uh, you know, again, it like it's the thing that got it. Without this, obviously, there isn't anything that comes after it. So, yeah. Simonson's a uh, an anomaly, man. He he has Jack's penchant for design uh, and and uh, experimentation, but then he has 
of the period. I mean, look at the guys that he came up with. Wrights and yeah. Starlin, um, you know, Kaluta, all that. Like, he, he can really draw. So he's very illustrative on the one hand, but then he has this visual shorthand that in, in, in expressing cosmic Kirby-esque themes that he's very designy at the same time. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, we've maybe talked about this again. This could be something we have talked about over the years, but I just don't remember. But I reading this, it made me like make that mental connection between I view him as like the conduit between Kirby and like Larson. Like obviously Larson is, you know, he worships at the, at the altar of Kirby. Sure. But like, I guess rereading this, I'm like, oh, man, like this looks more Larson to me than Kirby. But like obviously Simonson himself is is a, is an unapologetic Kirby acolyte, so it's like oh this is the lineage, like this is the family tree, like this is like like it's 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 I mean yes Kirby is to Larson, but it's like Kirby to Simonson to Larson, like seems yeah. more like that seems like the more like if I, it's a cleaner visual pathway to me, and I'm like oh this is neat, like like I never really because I own Larson art, I don't own any Simonson art, but like I'm like oh this yeah this is like oh I like I guess I guess I never really connected that Larson like so much like Kirby. I mean, uh, so much like Simonson before, um, yeah. you know, Larson's a little more free, I think a little more. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Like he's a little more daring or, well, uh, not or initially, like, like, but now. Yeah. Right. Like he's more of a, yeah, he's, he's, he's a little, right, right, right. But, um, but even like, I mean, Walt's, I mean, Walt's an older gentleman now, but you know, you read that, um, probably the last thing Walt drew that I've read is, uh, that Ragnarok thing. Yeah. Uh, and you know, that's much looser, but I assume I, I attribute part of that just cause he's an older gentleman now. So he's probably like, listen, right. I don't need to, Go crazy. It's also crazy that we only see Beta Ray's armament, his armor, in one panel, like the whole yeah. full thing in one panel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think about the cover, he styled the boots. The cover, and then that one page. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The boots are exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, albeit a little less stylized, but the 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 template is there. But it's only in one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could see him from a distance in some, but it's really not as apparent as that one panel it's like holy crap walt like the the planning must he must have planned this issue for a long time well i did a little reading and i guess this was there was there were kernels of the of his run of his 31 issues that were from him that he came up with back when he was in college in the 19 in the early 1960s jeez yeah it is a long time yeah and he finally got his chance. Now, again, I wasn't—I'm not clear about whether, like, it was like—I don't know—it was necessarily like a Thor story, but he had these like ideas, these 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 uh, like hero epic ideas that he wanted to work in, and was able to finally do them on Thor. So, yeah. yeah. FYI, while I did have a good stack of Journey into Mystery, right, and I had scattered issues of Thor here and there, three thirty-seven is the first time I bought Thor on a regular basis. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, now, so so okay. So that's. I mean, maybe you don't remember this because it was you know early '80s. But but why did you? Was it the strength of the cover? Because Simonson oh, wasn't yeah. much well, of a commodity before this. It wasn't like he was like a draw. Like you were like, oh, I got to get this Walt Simonson book. Um. It's see. I don't know the 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 chronology. Did the did the heavy metal aliens issue come out before his store run? If it did, I it would was assume, right? Yeah, if it did, it was probably well, yeah, because that was seventy six. What about Star Slammers? Yeah, yeah, I, I was aware of Simonson 
Um, but seventy nine was alien, right? Uh, so, alien so on yeah. the strength of that, I was like, God okay. damn, got to have this. But yeah, I, I've always like I, I've I've liked Simonson's work a lot. But and uh, like I said, I had scattered issues of Thor. But you're gonna get mad because he was an Avenger. I didn't buy the book on a regular basis. Same thing with Captain America. Same thing with Iron Man. I never bought those issue those series. Every month. Like, I would pick and choose. Like, this looks cool. Nothing else on the stands. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll buy this. But, um, yeah, that all changed around this time. Which uh, is, I mean, that's the thing, like, to your point about, um, you know, every like, so much of our loves come down to timing. My first exposure to Thor in any form was Simonson Thor. Wow. So, like. See, that's good. Wow. Right. But, like, so, so, and that, I think, played a huge part. In being and like a fan of the Avengers, because like I was, re- I saw the Simonson Thor. You know, there was the there was the Grunwald cap going on. Like, like all that was like the characters were all happened to be at pretty cool points in their in their arcs, right? right? Like, of varying degrees. Obviously, I'm not. Listen, I love the Grunwald cap. I'm not saying the Grunwald cap like test of time stands That's up a to lot like Simonson Thor. It's a lot of fun, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah I loved yeah. it. So my yeah. corner of the Marvel universe amounted to the magazines, the black and white magazines, sure. the monster heroes. Um, and Simonson drew uh, what was it? Was it Rampaging Hulk? Was that? Which Hulk? Yeah, that's the magazine. The magazine. But he, I'm saying Simonson did that, right? Yeah, Starlin Simonson, a bunch of them. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. But um, Hulk, Defenders, um, Silver, Fantastic Four, obviously, Amazing Spider-Man. Like, if it was Avengers related, unless it crossed over with Fantastic Four, whatever I, uh, and then who they didn't cross over then, I, I didn't read the Avengers books. I just whatever. I yeah. it, it wasn't my jam. Mm-hmm. But when this came out, that cover, I remember, I don't know where I saw it, maybe uh, it, it one of the trade magazines. I was like, holy shit, I'm on this. Because look at that. That cover's amazing. It is. It really is. It tells you everything you, you need why? to know. What do you, what do you, what's, your, what's your story here, Dad? The, uh, the cover's absolutely striking. The cover drags you. Because, I mean, he's destroying the logo. I know what was great yeah. is that 338. You have the new stylized logo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was obviously something new and exciting for this character that was pretty stale and stagnant. The uh, and of course you've got the the John Workman lettering, which is just uh, is flawless. But um, I'll always giggle now, ever since uh, the bullpen Bolton days with Doom. Actually, from the CGS days with with, yeah. with CGS four with, with Doom, but. Uh, the I, I did not, I did not remember. I don't know when it happened that uh, that basically it, it's almost like Thor was walking around in Donald Blake's body because the 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 thought balloons the it it reads very much like it's Thor thinking these things and not Donald Blake. And when the early stories, when it was Donald Blake, um, he was kind of very much his own man. So I'm not really sure when this kind of personality change happened, but it, it, it works. It, and it's, it's quick because we know that once, once Donald Blake gets to become Thor again and Odin does his thing and, and Bill gets to be his own version of the Thor, um, that there is pretty much no more Donald Blake. And we get, uh, this is Jarlson and, and it's basically just Thor from that point on in as a civilian. But, um, 
there were just I, I I I enjoyed going down memory lane with this issue because you had little things like Lorelai, who of course plays a role uh, as as Walt's run continues, because that's going to introduce us to uh, to Roger and, and bring back Malekith, and and it's just there's so many visual memories I have of of Walt's run on the book. It's it's amazing. It is one of it's it's absolutely it, it's it's up there with Miller's Daredevil. Uh, you could say Claremont's X-Men with, uh, it, with it, there's just, there aren't a lot. Uh, Burns Fantastic Four is another one. The 80s was a really great time uh, to be a comic book fan with, with, with writer artists uh, taking on their, their properties. And, and uh, that Thor is no exception. It was just, it was, it was just, such a visual treat month in month out um i i couldn't he just packs so much on a page in every panel it's just it's 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 wonderful the, the this issue um it, it almost rereading it almost feels like a a prologue or a prelude to what's actually to come because it's, it's 338 is kind of when when things really start to uh to get kicked in the high gear obviously we need this to get to that but um it's it's one of the more um there's action between thor and bill but there isn't um it's it's just mostly kind of setting the stage with with, with loki what he's going to have planned and and just how thing how walt's going to like set up asgard it's it's a really really a great pick um and i I absolutely it's it would rank up with anybody who's read it, and especially if they read it around when it came out, um, it would be it would be a favorite of of any comic book fan, no doubt. Well, aside from Jack, there's really only one name you need to know when talking Thor, and that's Simonson. I, I know Jason yeah. Aaron's run is beloved, I guess, but whatever. It's it's not it's not the Simonson run. No, it is not. It is not. And, and, and yeah, it, I mean, yeah. I, I and, and to be five, fair, it's. it's yeah, it's very different. Like, like I mean, Aaron's run deserves credit in part because of the longevity. Like, again, like, you know, Simonson was 31 issues and he got in and he got, but he left such an indelible mark. I mean, Aaron really does take the Asgardian mythos through a lot of journeys. And, I mean, he starts off, obviously, with Odinson, but then he a big part of, of his legacy is Jane Foster, sure. um, which, you know, the, 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 the anti-wokes all hate, but I thought was a wonderful a wonderful augmentation of the mythos, but, but yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, Aaron deserves credit. I, I mean, I, not that, uh, you know, they don't have to be ranked against each other. They can just both be great. But I, I mean, for me, Aww. Simonson's run sits atop the heap, certainly, but, sure. but Aaron is, is, is far and away to me, uh, the, the best non Simonson Thor run. And, and, you know, that's still saying something because like you said, between journey to mystery and, and his own title, I mean, he's had what, 500 to 600 yeah. issues yeah. of his own comic. So uh, there's, you know, we're, we're Aaron, Jason has the, um, the advantage of, of writing a character in an era where Jason Aaron's run, his, his, his Thor run has a beginning, middle and end. And Walt was just telling stories within continuity within just, right, there was right. no, there was no, yeah. oh, this is, this is a reboot or, or I'm going to like write the definitive Thor that, you know, nobody's going to be able to top like born again, where that kind of had an ending. There was no, Walt was just, you know, writing a monthly, 
Thor book and, you know, part of the Marvel Universe. And that's just what it is. And when his time was done, you know, he could move on to something else. Someone else can come in, whether it's, you know, the Falco and Friends bringing in Thunderstrike. But there's that that was back then. That was the 80s. There was no thinking about, oh, this will make a great trade or we're going to just write this 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 character's arc within these five trade paperbacks. And that'll be a complete. It's just it's it's not apples and oranges, but it's kind of sort of apples and oranges. Sure. That's fair. You got to look at it with a little bit of of honesty. Thor was middling for decades. Oh, hell definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, the, I mean, the book may have looked good. I mean, you know, John Basima and Joe Sinnott. Come on, I mean, that's that's really attractive art. But for the most part, it was like, yeah, okay. I mean, the, the stories there was no. Um, it definitely wasn't didn't have the the sledgehammer of a say Fantastic Four or an Amazing Spider-Man. Thor was like the book. You you uh, you bought it when there were no other alternatives, right? And I'm just speaking for for myself. Yeah. But when no, dude, when we, Simonson we, we, came on, you bought it because it was yeah, awesome. Sure. It was electric and new, and it's never lost any of its potency. I don't think. Um, I mean, one of the things I'm I'm glad I'm I'm not I don't make a living predicting how popular certain pop culture things are going to be because when the MCU was getting going, I thought, wait a minute, they're going to make movies about Iron Man and the war, like like they're barely like they those their their own comics barely sell like <laughs> the average Amer- the average like person's not going to care about these characters well, obviously and yeah you should in retrospect it couldn't have been more wrong but but my point is is like i'm just saying i'm agreeing with you like like as comic fans we knew more than the average fandom like the average uh moviegoer knew back then was like these guys were never like they were always like more popular from a comics world perspective as part of the team like they were much their books were their individual books were never uh as popular sales-wise, yeah. as, as they were when they were in the Avengers. Well, as far as the MCU, somebody, I hope, cut Robert Downey Jr. a massive check because all the billions of dollars that the movies generated, it's almost entirely because of Robert Downey Jr. Not to, not to go every, off on a tangent. Every single yeah, movie I, since Iron Man, he's just made more money with each, each flick. Yeah, Good. and not to, be, to go off on a tangent, but I listened to a podcast very recently with the Russo brothers. Mm-hmm. And um, they were talking about that very thing, like just because, like they were, um, uh, they were talking. To, uh, so the the scene in 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 Endgame where all the heroes are together, you know, mm-hmm. like the you know the big, it took an actual year to set that up because, like, they had to get all of these mega stars to be available to do a scene together. And that literally took a year of scheduling. Right. Like they couldn't get them all into place. And that, but anyway, but but he was saying like they were making the point that they they would agree with you. They they said you know, if, like when you look back on it, if if Robert Downey Jr. if if Feige doesn't pick Robert Downey Jr. and then they he doesn't agree, like it's pretty fair to say that like the MCU isn't the MCU. Right. Yep. Yeah. Totally agree. And and I have no love for Iron Man, but Robert Downey Jr. was so compelling. In, oh, he was Iron Man. He yeah. is Tony Stark. Like that. There's yep. and and uh, uh, what's his face that does Thor? Like, yeah, he's he's handsome. Yeah, Hemsworth, Hemsworth's yeah. handsome, but I don't think anything that came after Iron Man one would have come. It, it they just wouldn't be if if that wasn't a hit. 
So no, agree. Yeah, yeah. And how weird is it that the? I, I was just thinking about Donald Blake and his stick. How weird is it that the cinematic universe just dispensed with the whole alter ego? Hey, he's always Thor. He's always well, Thor. Was, but what was neat was that oh. in the first movie when when Thor does show up and uh, and Jane just needs to give him something. He, she, she gives him a pair of scrubs and, and it still has the hello, I'm my name is Donald Blake and he's like, yeah. Who is this? And she just rips the tag off. She says, I don't worry about yeah. it, boyfriend. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't need I and I'm I wonder what kind of of plot you know contrivances they would have come up with if they stuck with the whole uh, yeah. Like in, in Endgame, he could have been scrabbling for his stick, you know, like just stupid stuff. It's been a long time since he had an alter ego. Oh, but, for real, yeah. But, yeah. But, but the MCU is basically, it's, 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 more, it's more Ultimates than it is yeah, 616. That's true. Yeah. And it is more, yeah, that's true. Let's yeah. be honest. Um, Visually speaking, I think they, they tried to pay more homage to like classic Marvel yes, visuals. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. But yeah, you're right. In terms of like the plot. Because of the modern in, stories it, and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But the, yeah, the, it, the, it is more ultimate. The yeah. hero alter ego formula was a staple at both Marvel and DC. To, sure. be, to be totally honest, I don't think Thor needs it. No, he, he, I, no I, it, it always seemed like a contrivance to me. Right, and it, it, it was his Achilles heel, which made him... Just to put those situations. But he's How's a god. Get out of it? He's a god. He shouldn't have to have... Like, let, let's let's just... It's the son of Odin. We, that's all you need to know. He's the thunder god. Boom. Right. All right. I'm, all right, well, I'm glad, I'm glad it was a positive experience for all of us. Nice. Not, not be. Seriously. It's good stuff. Nice. I think I think of the three. This was the most. This had the most solid chance of being a solid hit across the board. Oh, interesting. Well, I mean, I haven't heard. I haven't heard what you think of plop or what Vince thinks of detective, but exactly. Right. Okay. Okay. Who's next? Uh, well, mine's a trifle compared to the detective. So, you want me huh. to go? Yeah. Oh, you mean you mean in in uh, in, in size? Let's yeah, like this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, I brought uh, plop number four, March April nineteen seventy four to the table. Why is this issue important to me? Well, uh, I said it going in. I love the series uh, plop, but number four was my first issue. Ah, oh, it was your first. Hey. Nice. Okay, all right. Nice. And I also think that it's the best issue in the run. And there were what twenty eight issues, right? Twenty eight. Uh, it's up there. Yeah, it's. Uh, um, I believe twenty eight. Do you a, have the? Do you have the run? I do have the run, but there's a Excellent. point where it's like you don't even don't even bother buying them because they weren't very oh, good after okay. after a certain uh, point. Let's see uh, how many issues there was exactly twenty four issues. Twenty four. Okay. Yes. And um, when the covers went from the uh, creature of the month to the segmented covers, like there's a uh, issue 20 has four panels. Issues 21 to 24 has a triptych on the uh, like three panels. Those issues are just horrendous. They're not very good. But it's the beginning of the end, right? Um, yeah. So anyway. Number four, I think, is the best issue, and I'm going to tell you why. I just want to talk about the cover for a spell. Not yeah. not, not only do you get a Basil Wolverton um, creature, in this case, Nuli Nostradamus, 
<laughs> the uh, I cannot tell you because the number is too vast. How many hours I spent staring at Sergio's margin work mm -hmm. uh, on this cover? Um, it, it's it's absolutely amazing. There's you know you got a monster gleefully grinding meat. You got a prosthetic leg in a bear trap. There's this Kong-like beast clutching a helpless human. Witches at a cauldron. Like, this is all my stuff. Uh, shrunken heads, bats. There's a hunchback that, that's hauling a sack of body parts. You got a giant rampaging mummy. Vampires. This poor slob with multi multiple injuries in a hospital bed. <laughs> like, it's just so silly. Uh, but it's all Sergio. And I, I was aware of Sergio from Mad. Like, I liked his stuff, but it was always in the margins, you know, at the top of the page or the bottom of the page. And But now Sergio was front and center in this issue. And in the margins and in the background. And like, he's everywhere in this thing. And his creatures are unbelievable. They're just wonderful, right? Another weird thing about the cover is... The back cover is an enlargement of the front cover. Like what? Wait, uh -huh. wait a minute. There's no ads on the back cover. It's it's atypical. Um, not only that, but the inside front cover and the inside back cover. There's no ads there either. Inside front cover is a contents page. Inside back cover is comics, black and white. The the, the story ran longer than the page count, so they printed it on the inside of the back cover. I had never seen that, right? And another thing, even on top of all this, the the plop logo itself is just not a mainstream. There's there's no mainstream stamp of approval, Marvel or DC on the plop logo. It's not slick in the slightest. It it looks hand drawn and and rough hewn. It's more appropriate for an underground comic than it is for a mainstream book. Like this the whole thing is subversive to me. Yeah. Um, I didn't put those words to it back then, but it's very anti-establishment, and it's very weird. It, it's just not cut from the same cloth as Marvel and DC books of the time. It's not. I, and I have mm. to give give DC huge uh, props for, for publishing this because it's just plain damn strange, right? And look at the, Sergio's work on the contents page. Those creatures are amazing. It's just crazy. There's two football players, and the guy's going to kick a football, and he ends up kicking the the the, the person who's holding the football, and his head Point. is joint. It's like stretched. Vampires, and there's a guy that hung himself, committed suicide. It's nuts. The it's so strange. Uh, but I, you could see why I love this magazine, right? It's 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 totally me. It is. The the Definitely. horror. I, I've been a horror fan before I've been a superhero fan. That's it's in my DNA. Um, yep. So plop. If you haven't read it, is an anthology. It's a glorious, wonderful, beautiful, disturbingly dark. I think everyone forgets just how dark plop got. Um, it's an anthology. In this issue, Cain and Abel and Eve. You know who they are, right? House of Mystery, House of Secrets, yeah. uh, Witching Hour. 
Um, I was going to ask you, okay, so are you, I was going to say, obviously I was familiar with Cain and Abel from House of Mystery and House of Secrets, but I was like, oh, did they add Eve to this for that reason? Is she the new, but she was in her own as well? Yeah, well, she's one of the, the, the fates. Oh. That's always, I always took her as one of the fates. Oh, I thought like Eve isn't like Adam and Eve. Oh, yeah. Biblical. Oh, yeah. That's. Oh, okay. I, I was pretty. One of the same you're saying. I'm thinking yes. I'm probably wrong, but I mean, just in, t- in biblical terms. But you're saying she was the host of the witching hour? She was one of the three witches, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Oh, it was the fates that were the host of that? Yeah. yeah. I never read it. Okay. Oh, okay, cool. Okay. So, uh, and we know the, the biblical story of all of these characters, right? Cain, the first murderer, Abel, the first victim, and his brother, and Eve is, she, she bit that apple. Um, so they're the guests of honor at a monster convention. Shut <laughs> up. Uh, and, and the trio, they're a bit hesitant, you know, especially Abel, after the Frankenstein monster pumps up the crowd. He's like, yo, well, this is Frankenstein monster. I don't think he said yo, but he's he's speaking to the assembled monster. He's like, the, these guys are the best storytellers in the business. They're going to make everybody laugh. They're, 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 they're just wonderful. And, and, and if they don't, we're all going to rip their faces off. <laughs> so it's, it's either put up or shut up or get your face ripped off. And um, Abel is the first, reluctantly, and he gets up there and he tells a story called Now and Then, which was written by Steve Skates. Most of the stuff, a good chunk of plop was written by Steve Skates. And it's illustrated by the great Nick Cardi. All those 100-page giant issues of uh, DC, Nick Cardi drew most of those covers. Just fantastic art, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But this isn't even... I mean, I love Nick Cardi. This is not um, a testament to the man's strength. I mean, it's good, but it's not the best Nick Cardi art I've ever seen. But it's it's the story. You got to... Bad luck, Willie Cartburn. Willie feels like a man out of time. He's just feeling the 20th century is not for him. He was born too late. Um, The Wild West, now there's where it's at. If he was alive back in the Wild West, he'd he'd be something. Like he, he he would amount to something. So he takes a job as an assistant to a mad scientist who just so happens to need an assistant. Right, and and this mad scientist was working on a time machine, so Willie pays attention. Well, he's helping the mad scientist with the time machine, and he can operate the time machine just as well as the mad scientist. So what he does is he kills the scientist. Doesn't matter. I'm going into the past. I'm not gonna. There's there's not gonna be any repercussions for this murder. I'm just gonna kill him. So he warps back to the days of the wild wild west. This is where he wanted to be. Unfortunately, he materialized smack dab in the middle of a gunfight, and he's shot to death. He's killed. (laughs) (laughs) He did. It's the way way plop works, right? Um, Then you get uh, prison plops, and and these were, um, they're page fillers. Uh, but they're like little vignettes, like like yeah. little like Sunday comic, like yeah, like Far Side type of things. Like yeah, cool. but I mean the 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 real strength of these pages is again Sergio's background. Right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Right, they're, it's just impeccable drawing, outstanding. But Robert Johnson did the plops, prison plops, prescription plops, gourmet plops, on and on and on and on. Um, they're fun, 
and and they do i mean if you're a far side fan maybe you'll you'll get you'll connect with some of these but they're just single panel comics you know and they're they're again they're very dark and and a lot of them are very disturbing but abel does not catch on with the monsters they're they're pissed and they just freaking explode throwing shit at the stage um and again the 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 title of the comic is plop but it's also used in an onomatopoeic way Pratt falls yeah. um things that connect uh you know the, they will frequently use plop as a sound effect which it works right so eve comes up and uh takes her turn and hers is a perfectly crazy crime which was written by Skeets and um, Sergio and illustrated by Sergio. So it's very, again, it's got that old Henry type ending. Uh, A man planned and trained for years to pull off a jewel heist unlike any other. These jewels were under such tight and advanced security that they were considered unstealable. Nobody's going to take these jewels. We have the best security system on the planet. The jewelers even laughed when the man walked in waving a gun. He wants the jewels. They're like, "All right, you take them. You're never going to get. You're never going to get them." So uh, during the chaos, here's where what the man trained for. He folded his body and and slid into an impossibly small garbage can. He compressed his body real small slid into the garbage can and uh, it's summarily taken by a garbage worker and dumped into a truck so he's got the jewels he's in the garbage truck and he doesn't even need a getaway car because the garbage truck is taking him away so mission accomplished right well wrong this is plop the truck truck backs uh, up to a cliff and dumps its load over and the the man falls uh, hundreds of feet and is dashed on the rocks below. Plop, and he's killed. <laughs> and it's so stupid. Of course. Yeah, but I mean, Sergio, it, the, the, the story's kind of silly, but Sergio can make anything look good, right? And oh, yeah. one of the things that I remember vividly about this song, this story from back in the day was the guys in the back of the garbage truck he's got his his his, dime, his jewels and he's talking to the reader a lot of fourth wall breaking in plot yeah too. for sure and he's got a banana peel on his head and yeah Ser- you're right i didn't notice that but you're yeah, right I'm and like, sergio's garbage is so intensely detailed that there's there's a turntable with a vinyl record on it. There's a tire. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Like, I think Sergio is, in many ways, whether the creator of Where's Waldo knows it or not, I think Sergio was one of the progenitors of the, the image finding things within the image trend that, that erupted. Mm. Like, right? Because his work is so freaking dense. And it's so detailed. There's, like, stuff everywhere in Sergio's work. But uh, Eve does not connect with the monsters as well, even after telling a tale illustrated by the great Basil Wolverton himself. Mm. I don't know how DC pulled it off, but they managed to get Basil Wolverton not only to do the cover, but he has a single-page uh, strip in this issue. And rock, it, rock, rock. And it was uh, created for this issue because he pulls out a copy of Plop. 
out of this man's uh what a he soggy thinks, what he thinks yeah what he thinks is the man's innards so eve does not score with the monsters they're, they're not they're not pleased at all so it's up to abel to try and and turn the tide and abel appropriately comes to the podium with a tale called the last laugh and this story written by uh skates and impeccably drawn by the maestro frank robbins is probably one of my all-time favorite comic book stories I see okay. this. I see this story in my dreams. If I did dream, um, nice. Yeah, and it's it it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's it's it hits like a a, a bazooka and then it's gone. Um, you got a, a traveling salesman named Daryl, and his car breaks down just as he reaches. It, it is a straight hoopty. It looks like a golf cart on the <laughs> hoopty. His last legs. <laughs> his tires don't even look round. No, it's nasty. It's nasty. He's riding it like a horse. Like and he's got like, the old. Like are... He's got the old radiator with the cap in the in the in the top, and it's like you can actually hear it. It's like a percolator, um, and there's a fish in it. So he the, the car breaks down on a farm, and he decides to have some fun with the local yokels. He 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 looks over, and there's there's uh, what he thinks is a farmer uh, milking a cow. So he, which is very dangerous to do, he, he goes over and he smacks the ass of the cow being milked. And the cow kicks and the, the farmer goes for a tumble, but it's not a farmer. <laughs> it's, it's definitely not. It is a young lady in bib overall jeans with nothing on underneath it. Absolutely nothing. And her name... Quite fetching. Yes. Uh, she is... A blonde built like a brick shit house, and, yep. her, and her, what we would call a PAWG. Yes, that's right. And her name, her name <laughs> is Susie Bell. Mia Malkova come to life. Yes, her name's Susie Bell, and uh, Susie Bell can do many things. One of which she can fix cars, and so she she gets under the hood of uh, Daryl's car, and he, again he Daryl has a penchant for smacking things on the ass. <laughs> Because Dude, when he says, "Who boy, that's some tomato." I oh, that's my favorite out. panel right there. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> he smacks, he smacks a kick me sign on her ass. Remember, kick me, kick me was big when I was, oh, yeah. when I was a kid. It, yeah, he listened to you. Oh, well, yeah. so was you know, so, so was a panel. Oh, what you think? Kick me was only a byproduct of the 1940s when you were born. It, oh my it, god, it's just in the 70s, dude. <laughs> so, um, but the for a mainstream comic. I think Robin's got a little free with the. I'll say like big she, old rump shaker. Yeah, and uh, so she's she's looking at his his car, and he hits her, gets her with the kick me sign. And Jason's right. Oh boy, that's some tomato. Uh, he's <laughs> staring. He's staring right at her ass, and we all oh are. He's just mirroring what the viewers, what the readers thinking. He is. Um, so Papa comes, Papa, um, and Daryl. Gets him with a joy buzzer. Like, that's supposedly funny. I never thought joy buzzers were funny. It's stupid. Um, and and um, Susie Bell's brother, Elmer, comes over and sees the sign on her, and he kicks the shit out of Susie Bell. 
Everybody, Seriously, dude. Everybody's just laughing. Like, this is not politically correct. Big old uh, buck tooth. <laughs> yeah, he is. I see this. He's saying kick me, so I done did it. But anyway. I see it. But everybody's having fun. They're all just busting a gut. And uh, Pop says, you know, Daryl, uh, I think you better stay for the night. And Daryl's like, hmm, he's, he's, he, the gears are turning. Because what he sees as an easily manipulated local yokel family turns out to be anything but. Facts. Yeah, so he's... Yeah, Susie he, just does it on his shirt, does she? No. No complaints. No, it's no just, she's... I mean, she's it's, yeah. I mean, and, I don't know if any shirts have fit her. Well, she she's built like an hourglass. Yes, yes. But she's got she's the farmer's daughter. She's the 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 classic depiction of a farmer's daughter. So there, what Daryl sold, if you couldn't tell by now, was um, gimmick gags like joy buzzers and you know uh, black tooth gum and and water squirting ties, uh, and he uses them on the family. Like he shows dad a tie and it's it's a it, uh, another tomato and it's this beautiful brunette and he squeezes it in dad's uh, while he's looking at the tie he has a lapel flower and he like the joker and he he squirts dad in the eye with water and everybody's just having a great time and Susie's playing footsie under the table yeah got with, real brazzers down here at the last panel with daryl brazzers and so daryl <laughs> thinks you know what this is the girl for me uh, I'm I'm just gonna marry her. Why? Can you it's, blame him? It's in. Listen to this though. According to Abel, he thought about her unspoiled beauty and the hundreds of physical chores <laughs> she would gladly perform. Yeah, I, I, don't, I I think chores is is uh, not the right word for what Daryl was looking for, but whatever. <laughs> Um, so he, Daryl tells dad, he goes, I'm taking Susie away from here. And and, Dar- and dad's like, trust me, boy, you don't want to do this. I'm not having it. And he pulls out a double barrel shotgun and fires. And Daryl just gets the hell out. He <laughs> plugs him through his little, his little, uh, pork pie. It doesn't have a pork pie hat. What are those? Like the, those flat top hats called. Yeah. Like, he, um, yeah, he plugs him through that. Yeah. So Daryl takes it upon himself. He gets a, a ladder and he's going to crawl up to Susie Bell's room. But Susie beats him to the punch and she comes down and she's got a nightie on. A, a see- negligee. A see-through. see-through night. Now, there, there, there are no um, dirty bits shown, but there, there doesn't need to be because Robbins milks the hell out of Susie's uh, form her silhouette or her her curves and push comes to shove the end of the story is well Susie Bell is a homicidal murderer who had spent time in the state home uh, and she separated Daryl's head from his neck killed him and the sheriff comes and he goes, oh, you know, I, I guess she's just going to have to go back to the state home for a while. <laughs> and it, like she's she has killed before and will probably kill again uh, because Susie, according to the uh, sheriff, has a deadly sense of humor. 
And we I'll get say. to see her just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh right at the viewer at the end. It is unbelievable. The, but, uh, the, the, the type of uh, Chappelle is a boater. A boater. Oh. A boater. Um, I hardly knew her. Motorboat her. <laughs> so uh, the monsters don't like Abel's stories either. And and they get to the point They're a picky where, goddamn crowd, aren't they? Well, they are. They get to the point where they have the trio all tied up, and they got a noose around Abel's neck, and this is where, uh, again, the magazine breaks the fourth wall, where Abel looks directly at the reader and says, uh, so maybe the stories didn't t- turn you on, but what about the moron that spent 20 cents on this book? And the monsters are like, yeah, you know what? You're right, and it just side splitting to them that that someone would plunk down 20 cents for this garbage mm-hmm. uh so yeah i th- this issue is pretty much um inextricable with me i just i love every bit of it i always have i always will it's one of those things uh it was a revelation at the time when i pulled it off the the stand and it's just one of those it it is when i think of the the medium we love so well this issue is one of the things that comes to mind love it I, yeah. how do you say you love something in in many different ways i i literally i don't know if you should it's a scotty word i know uh i love this issue if my house was burning i would try and find this issue and save it yep. nice that's, that's yeah. heavy yeah that's that's exactly what we're talking about yep and it's no big shakes. I mean, some of it's not even good. Uh, I, I think the, the 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 Robert Johnson stuff, the, the the panels, they're funny. But I would love to. And we know why they're in there because then they didn't have to produce sequential art, like pages and pages of sequential art. There's what is there? Maybe like eight, ten pages of of those single panel strips. Um, so I get while they're there and they're fun, but. The the real strength is is the Sergio, the Nick Cardi, and the Frank Robbins. Like that stuff is just absolute gold. I think I like the plops more than you did because like some of them I thought were really good. And I got to tell you, the Jonah and the whale one, I was beside myself. <laughs> well, dude. well, that's yeah, that, that's exactly. <laughs> For those who don't know, it's a panel. It's 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 historical plops. So and then it's 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 like a dude in like Arabian gear standing in like this giant like there's this giant red thing which you then figure out is, is an intestine but he's like standing and it's like and he's looking at a pinup on the wall and says you are here and it's pointing to the whale's stomach I, that's hysterical I think that's great <laughs> you're so cute but I mean one of the reasons why um, the, the prison plops specifically like Cracked had a whole bunch of of you know prisoners hanging from the gallows and it was in it was much better than this mm-hmm. right because it was illustrated by john severin sure so you know i i don't think severin could stand up to johnson or, or you know whoever. vice versa yeah. yeah oh yeah vice versa yes because severin yeah. is one of the greatest comic artists yeah. of all time but yes plop number four I mean, as I said, I had never read this before. I knew you were a huge fan of it. Um, I adored it. I thought it was. I thought it was great. Like I didn't really think there was a weak part, honestly. Like nice. I, I, 
I, I mean, not surprisingly, this certainly is evocative of Mad Magazine. I mean, sure. Every, pretty much everybody involved here was also involved with Mad, so that shouldn't be a surprise. Um, but yeah, like you said, I, I, I was I was tickled by the subversiveness of it, by the by the uh, especially the, the the it was way way naughtier and bawdier than I expected. Yep. Um, because it was a DC book, um, so I, I I thought all the art was was good to great, mostly great. But I mean, like I didn't think any of the art was like oh, because you know sometimes with anthologies would be like oh, right. okay, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, and to the point where I. Um, and and maybe you know the answer to this. Uh, there is no collection of this. No, there's not. There, Why? I don't think there ever has been, or I would have. Right? It. No, I'm saying there is no collection of yeah, this. I don't, I, I, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if DC just considers it a trifle and not worthy of collecting. I don't know. But it, it did. It was. A, it, it is worth noting that that this was a um, commercially speaking was a total failure. It was. It was. It, more, it, more or they, less. Yeah. We, I'm saying I was reading an interview, and they, 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 at least again according to um, Infantino, they, they, in this interview I found like they lost money on every issue. So, um, so yeah, so, so I mean, if that maybe some, but, but again, like nostalgia wise, though, I think they could probably make back all those losses and then some. Like if they put out a one singular hardcover of this now with 24 issues, I think it would sell like hotcakes. Wow, I think that's being opti- optimistic, but oh. I, I like optimistic. I don't know, like if if Wits End sold, I'm really like Wits End sold out, and I mean, well, I mean, uh, come on, this is the Wits End. No, I, I know, I know, but um, also you probably know this, but for the I, I was surprised to see that the Basil Wolverton covers were not created for plop; they were inventory covers yes. that DC had in stock, which is yeah. shocking to me. Um. Like it makes me wonder, like, how do they just have random Wolverton monster covers? Like, <laughs> and there's around, also like, Wally Wood did some. Uh, yeah, he took over, right? Because Wolver- Wolverton had a stroke, as I understand it, and then and then Wally Wood took over. Yep. And then towards the end, Dave Manick comes on, and I just I'm not a fan of Dave's work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just uh, whatever. I don't want to. I don't want to be end on a downer, but um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but when you think of plop, like what? Marvel had spoof and you know there was a couple of Marvel books that maybe uh not Brad Ech, but that was more grounded in the DC in the Marvel universe like with the mm-hmm. goofy Marie Severin versions of of the the heroes uh, there's re- there really has never ever been a book at the big 2 like plop mm-hmm. I think maybe the closest might be crazy but that that that's more of a mad rip off than it is a a competitor plot right right yeah and crazy was great for a good number of years before it started to to suck yeah 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 so there you go plop number four we didn't hear what that thought oh we didn't oh no no i echo everything no i i had a blast with it. it 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 was funny i i laughed and i I, seeing it's we're used to sergio either in mad or of course with Gru, and and it's just it's nice seeing him and for me anyway in in kind of a different setting more of a obviously a horror vein and and um i was thinking even you could even get the um the sandman completist to to get and able yeah 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 a plot yeah. if, if if it went to it you know they, i mean they, there's so many different areas that, that that dc could try to promote 
so that they would get as many eyes on it if, if they were to ever try to collect it. But um, no, it was it was a blast. I, I dug the setup, but you know we're we're, we're trying to uh, impress these monsters and stay alive. But uh, you know, not the, the stories weren't connected. They were just funny stories that uh, yep. the storytellers wanted to wanted to tell. And it just it. I mean, even and and I I, I love the whole fourth wall thing because even Eve is like, listen, you know. Well, we'll get to the funny stuff. It wasn't the letters pages. Now here's the story, and it's just like, like little things like that. Like they yeah. knew exactly how the page, how, where every page was going to be, how the how the issue was going to be laid out, and 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 it really worked. I I had a blast with it. As far as like my first full issue of Plop, that 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 was a great introduction. So thank you. Nice, and it just reminded me just how much I love Sergio's work. Because I, yeah, I, no I, I think we forget like the guy's everywhere. He's done everything. Yep. Um, his his monsters are just wonderful. Yeah. And he should draw more monsters. They should put him on a monster book. Big Kaiju Sergio book. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. So, um, anniversary issue from DC Comics, Batman's 500th appearance in Detective Comics number 526. A whopping $1.50. It's an all-new issue. None of these reprints in this time. Uh, with a cover by Don Newton and Dick Giordano. Um, with Batman, Robin, who was Dick Grayson at the time, and Batgirl kind of running towards the readers with a bunch of uh, Batman's rogues. Um, it's a red cover, and the rogues are all basically headshots uh, drawn in white. And um, And the reason why pick this issue is i've you know this is this is jason todd's introduction to me not not the mm-hmm. hubcap stealing little punk this is this is what and, and it was it, it mirrored dick grayson's origin it, parents were in the circus parents were killed it's like it, it's not they weren't shot down and didn't miss the net but it was it was a situation where here's an orphan now parents were with the circus uh and 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 this is what it is but one of my all-time and I don't talk about him enough, and I know, you know, we don't talk about the Phantom on the regular, but of course he drew that, and and he drew the Captain Marvel, the Shazam serials in World's Finest, but Don Newton is one of my all-time favorite artists, and when I think of Batman, he is up there with Batman artists that that, that I think about, and um, you know, you've got your Bry Fogles, you've got your Wagners, you got, you've got some really, really talented Batman artists, but for me, Don Newton is is up there high on the list. Uh, this issue is written by Jerry Conway, Don Newton, and Alfredo Alcala. And they were pretty much a, a, a team that that worked well together and did a lot together. Uh, they're your artists: Ben Oda on letters, Adrian Roy on colors. Um, but uh, this issue was kind of a uh, well. I mean, it says right on the on the double page splash. It, it's an ending and a beginning. Uh, and when you get to the last page, it kind of feels like it could almost be um, the, the the final chapter in in a Batman story. Uh, but we start off the issue with uh, with with the Penguin showing up uh, at a gathering with a whole bunch of villains all standing on a stage. Um, and at the time, I knew pretty much all of the characters on this stage um one or two 
not too familiar with, but but they get announced as as the issue continues. Um, but it's Newton drawing them, and they all look amazing. Um, but it's the Joker who brought everybody together, because the Joker is going to kill Batman. Unfortunately, uh, there is someone else who is trying to steal their thunder and kill Batman before they get a chance to, and that's none other than Killer Croc. Killer Croc is new to the scene, trying to get a foothold in the underworld um, and kind of just take control of, uh, of, of crime in Gotham. Now, while the Joker is announcing his plan, Catwoman is, of course, up on the catwalk. Uh, she hears this, that they're trying to kill Batman, and she's like, kill the Batman, kill the man I love, and she's she's not going to stand for that. So she beats feet out of the theater to uh, to make her way to warn the love of her life. Uh, but while she's dipping out, Talia is getting in Joker's face, saying that, um, yeah, this, this isn't fair, because it's all of you against one man and and joker's like yeah we don't we don't play a fair so she's like well then i'm out too so joker's like all right then we can't have you running out to tattle so um everybody's gonna gang up and uh take tally out of the picture but unfortunately uh she's um she's too quick and she gets away uh but the reason she gets away is because she runs right by two-face and and uh and unfortunately he flipped the coin and the good side came up, the unscarred, the non-scarred side came up, and he wasn't going to stop her. It's just the way it goes. So now he's got to, uh, Joker kind of has to rejigger the plane a little bit. But while that's happening, we cut to Batman in the Batcave uh, doing a little bit of a workout in full outfit minus the cape and utility belt. Um, but this was this was the 80s. And, you know, you wore your costume and, and it didn't matter what you were doing. How uh, how silly or, or 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 cheesy it may appear, it is what it is. So while he's he's working out basically to near exhaustion, uh, Talia makes her way into the cave, and before she could say anything, Catwoman thinks that she's here to attack Batman. So now there's a cat fight, and uh, and and Batman just gets between them, and he's like, "Listen, I don't know why either of you are here, but you better let me know what's going on," and. They spilled guts. But uh, we now cut to Dick Grayson flying on his bike like a bat out of hell, uh, trying to get to uh, Wayne Manor. But um, he's stopped by Waldo, who, of course, is one of the clowns at uh, Sloan Circus. And riding shotgun with Waldo in the truck is Jason Todd. And uh, we find out that Jason Todd's parents were kind of uh, enlisted, for lack of a better term, by Dick Grayson to kind of... uh, Get some skinny on Killer Croc. Um, but we haven't heard from the Todd, so we're not quite sure what's going on with them. Um, but we then cut to Barbara and Commissioner Gordon checking out the theater, and they find uh, they find Captain Stingery, who was frozen during uh, Tally's escape. And, um, and so Barbara's like, listen, I'm going to go. She's, of course, going to investigate as Batgirl. Um, then we get a little bit of a subplot with Vicky Vale and uh, and some sexism. She, Vicky's not feeling the the runaround from Bruce. Uh, she's tired of getting um, treated like a uh, like a doormat. Um, 
Alfred hangs up. That's when Dick and Waldo and Jason come in. And uh, Bat- Batgirl shows up. Dick uh, confronts her. And they decide now to um, to head out. And we find out during their conversation that Barbara has deduced that Batman and Robin are actually Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson. There's a nice little exchange where, um, you know, I thought, where, where, where Dick had said, we thought, you know, we disproved your theory and, and you dropped it. And she's like, well, it seems really important for you guys that uh, you really wanted me not to know. So I just, I'll let you ride with it for a while, but uh, we, we, we don't have time for this now. And while, um, while they're doing their thing, Batman, Catwoman and Talia are um, trying to get to the bottom of, uh, of Joker's plan. They, uh, they infiltrate a hideout with Scarecrow, Mad Hatter, Riddler, um, Cavalier, and you know, Riddler, and a bunch of D-list villains. And they uh, and and during the fight, our heroes dismantle um, the villains. Mad Hatter tries to get away, uh, and it appears as though he may get run over by a subway car or he made it to the other side all we have is is his hat left in um in batman's hand that was the other thing about this issue it felt so final for some of batman's villains uh whether you've got you know, captain stingery uh, it, it's just there's there's characters in this book where you just kind of figure they're not they didn't make it out um so it was just weird the way this issue kind of just played out where, where but like you said at the beginning it's an end and, and, and a beginning of sorts. So um, the villains are all trussied up and, and dropped off at uh, in front of um, Gotham City, in front of uh, City Hall. Um, cut back to Wayne Manor. Jason is uh, awakened from a nap, and uh, Waldo is still conked out. Jason starts to investigate. He starts roaming around Wayne, Wayne Manor. Um, and he notices the old grandfather clock, and it's not necessarily plush against the wall like you would expect it to be. There seems to be a little bit of an opening, um, kind of like making a doorway, and there's a passage heading down to the basement. So he's he's just strolling on down, sees the Batcave, sees a massive robot dinosaur, sees the penguin, sees the big Joker card, um, and then he goes into the closet, and he sees some of... Batman's uniforms. Um, while he's investigating, we cut back to uh, Batman, Talia, and Catwoman. They show up at the um, they, they they show up at this little makeshift bat signal where the signal man comes out. Uh, signal man and Batman start to fight. The spook is uh, is about to uh, it, it's going to attack Talia um, and. Catwoman is about to get the drop on Mr. Freeze, but Black Spider gets the drop on her, unfortunately. Um, it doesn't go well for any of the villains. Heroes make uh, kind of quick work with them. And with the clues, they um, they get out of there. We cut back to Jason. Uh, we cut back to uh, Robin and, um, and Batgirl. They catch up to uh, Commissioner Gordon. And they are at the uh, the Gotham City Zoo, where 
Dick finds out that uh, that Joe and Trina Todd were murdered by Killer Croc and Fred to the crocodiles. Um, they're uh, they're not completely eaten. Um, Robin is able to uh, fight the Crocs back and and at least kind of recover the bodies. Um, and he is not 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 pleased, feeling guilty because he kind of enlisted him into this, and um, and he's just it, it it's eating him up. So. Um, Joker decides to pay a visit to uh, to Croc, and um, and I really like the way Newton draws Croc's face. It, it's just it's freaky as hell. Um, Jason Todd continues to uh, go through chests in the uh, in the Batcave, finds an old circus outfit, puts that on, hides when he hears the uh, the Batmobile come into the cave, and then uh, dips into the trunk before the trio of heroes can, uh, or the hero and the uh, anti-heroes can kind of ride off with them. Um, Robin and Batgirl get a drop on uh, some of the uh, the big wigs of uh, crime in Gotham. And um, while they get the information they need, they, uh, they head to the gym beat up some more guys there uh find out that um there's a bunch of uh a, a bunch of other rogues like uh the getaway genius and Tweedledee and Tweedledum Catman uh beaten half to death and uh unfortunately it was a trap they are now caught um get a bunch of other bad guys showing up uh Two-Face flips his coin again Clayface is uh, is impersonating a, uh, a a goon, another one of the another one of the mob bosses. Um, Jason Todd knows that Batman's in danger. He's going to rescue him. And uh, while this is all happening, I mean, Batman and Catwoman and Talia are all rigged up on a uh, on a big vat that's uh, that that's just it's it's a it's a brewery. Gotham apparently had seven craft breweries back in the uh, early 80s but they uh they're about to be burned alive and uh kind of like that old makeshift batman tv show kind of uh kind of cliffhanger endings but instead of that killer croc is like you know what let's get let's get batman down here i'll fight him i'll kill him and um and joker's like no no we we, we got this and and croc's like no this is you're gonna do it my way did the, the no ifs ands or buts uh so batman and croc are about to fight and when um when we find out that uh croc actually had the todds killed that's when um jason todd springs into action um by uh by giving batman the upper hand and then he just starts beating on croc as if like his his punches have any effect on uh on his hide but they the heroes subdue jason uh calm him down the uh the rest of the rogues are um are basically dismantled and um and and then we get uh we get a bit of an epilogue where uh where you know bruce says goodbye to selena goodbye to talia uh in his very smart looking deep v-neck purple sweater and uh jason's all sorts of distraught dick feeling super guilty 
knows uh, knows what needs to be done and is willing to adopt Jason because he knows what he's going through. But Bruce reminds Dick that I know what he's going through as well. Uh, and if it's anyone's fault, uh, it's mine. So they decide to go take a walk. And uh, and and that's when Dick realizes that uh, that Jason's probably in good hands. And then they just start Bruce and and, and Jason are walking the grounds. And um, and that's pretty much where it's pretty much that's where this particular story that's where this this issue ends um and uh and yeah it's just it's a combination of the art of seeing so many of batman's villains this is kind of this is just that version of batman that that just um that speaks to me i I've, i've enjoyed batman's different iterations over the years but there's it's this is kind of like my my golden age of batman these these the Early to mid '80s, um, pre-crisis stuff, shortly before year one, and of course year one. Um, but yeah, I, I just and and of course the Don Newton art. I this is hands down one of my all-time favorite favorite comics from all the years I've been reading. It's just it. It's not a very happy story, but it is it it is one that uh, just reminds me why I enjoy this hobby, the, this medium as much as I do. Respect. You know, when you gave us this issue, I'm like, 526, like, that's weird. And then I'm like, wait, oh, I'm like, oh, I'm like Detective 27. Oh, how clever. I'm like, <laughs> nice. Okay. I'm like, anniversary issue. Got it. Um, my first observation about this is that, um, I mean, this is probably not unlike lots of comics back then, but this, you know, oversized anniversary issue had as much happen in it as we would get a 12 issue maxi series these days. Yeah. for real. Like, uh, you know, like this would be a Tom King 12 issue maxi series now, right? Like that's like, that's what this would be like for all the stuff that happens. Right. Like, and they would really stretch it out. So like a lot happens in this book, like a lot. And that's pretty neat. Like you get a, a massive amount of story in it. Um, I also will say that, uh, I don't understand why they need to clear out uh, Dick's room for Jason because it's a fucking stately mansion. Like, <laughs> I would imagine there's lots of empty rooms since it's just Bruce and Alfred that live there. Like, yeah, they can probably keep Dick's room just the way it is when he wants to hang out there for an evening and and give Jason his own room. But um, <laughs> it seems a little weird. Very true. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, but um, I um, also I was having been nowhere near as steeped in the DC history at this era as, uh, as Marvel, you know, I realized uh, that this is the, this, this particular issue is not the first appearance of killer croc, but, but this, this arc was, uh, Don Newton and, uh, and, and he, they are the, these guys are the creators of, uh, of killer croc a few issues back. Um, and it's interesting, like they call him King Croc in this at times, and then they also call him Killer Croc. Now, I think from from henceforth he's Killer Croc. So I, I guess they were just playing with with King Croc, and then we're like, oh, let's abandon that. But um, and then I came to realize that uh, this version, which you noted, is like the way he draws him differently. Like I guess this he Croc is one of the many characters that were basically completely revamped after Crisis. Yeah. So like after Crisis, he's much more like the one that I'm familiar with, which is like much more reptilian and, and bestial and um and and even as much as like in this book obviously he's the he is he is the murderer of jason todd's todd's uh parents but but post-crisis he is not uh two-faced kills jason todd's parents in post-crisis so it's interesting like like the the croc we see here is not at all the croc we've seen uh 
for most of his existence. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I thought it was great. I mean, um, you know, I have I have not read a lot of classic Batman stuff, but uh, but I liked like you said. I mean, I love. This wasn't getting the band to back together per se, but like I love issues that that feature tons and tons of characters, and obviously this had a ton of Batman villains, including a few I was not familiar with. Right. Um, so, which was neat. Um, but uh, and uh, and also similarly, I mean, I've I've certainly read some Don Newton comics over the years, but I, I haven't read a ton of Don Newton comics, and uh, and uh, yeah, I think the art's tight and right, and um, yeah, I thought it was great. I, I appreciate you bringing it up because I, you know. This is certainly an issue I feel like I should have read to have a uh, to have street cred in the world of comic uh, reviewed them. So I'm glad that I was able to check this one off. Oh, I'm glad. Neat. There you go. And your turn. <laughs> it looks good. <laughs> I thought it was good. Um... You can't recapture the like there you like you read hundreds of Batman comics like you can't you can't go back to that place. Uh, I don't think so. Um, oh, interesting. I, is it Batman? Is it is it what? No. What is it? Is, is, I don't know. I just thought it was it was interminably long. I was like, it was an over, it was an anniversary issue. It was yeah. It just was it was too long. I, you know when. But see, we, this is where the mindset is interesting because like if this was just a trade. Of like this arc, you'd read it and be like, okay, like it, like it wouldn't feel. I don't know. Like I don't know. I just thought it. Visually, when you're paired with Alfredo Alcala, mm-hmm. he's gonna take over, right? And it was hard for me to to see where Newton ended and Alfredo began because it looked really? just. It looked like Alfredo did it all. Right, hmm. he's there are ex- some panels that look a little Gene Colan esque. He's extremely heavy handed, and I, I mean, he is. I, I think Alfredo is um, aside from the only one that ever held his ground with Alfredo is Basima. You could tell yeah, that that. It, that it was Big John. Other than that, Alfredo just takes over, and. Um, I, he in in he just commands the attention because he has a very um identifiable style mm-hmm. uh yeah and I thought it looked really good it's just i it was it was just too much it, it was too much of a i i have no fee i have no connection to jason todd um or this era of batman so i mean i read it and I, it was fine it was fine it, it, it was fine okay. did since this was so close to crisis um like i guess it's interesting that like the batman in here doesn't feel any different you know what i mean like 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 it doesn't feel like the batman that i'm reading here is any different than the post-crisis right. batman yeah, yeah. all stern and yeah okay yeah but like, and 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 Dick Grayson feels like he's the same. I mean, yeah. right? Like he. Yeah. So, it's. I mean, it is kind of interesting. Like, like I guess again, like we we take for granted now when they do like the reboots. It's like, oh, these things stay. Like, I guess I guess that was the same in Crisis as well. Like some some things got shifted massively, and some did not. Probably based on who was the writer and who was the editor. The um, what what I beyond this. 
before crisis with with jason todd when when he becomes robin and you also um we we get year we, we get we get year one we get we get year two um and we get some alan davis drawn issues of detective and there's and and like right before crisis there's there's one issue where um Batman and Robin are about to leave Commissioner Gordon's office, and and Jason whips out the holy gag that that Robin used in in the Batman show, and Batman turns to him, points him, puts finger in his face, says, "Never say that again." And that, that, that's just one random panel that that just stuck with me for years. And then it was like, mm-hmm. and, and and that was like, and shortly after that, we get Crisis, and then we get Batman New Adventures, and we get the new. Or Jason Todd, and 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 it, there was just so there's there there's a handful of months where Jason Todd was not the worst thing that ever happened to Batman in my eyes. So it 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 was <laughs> it, at the beginning. I I was also much younger, so I was able to I didn't I didn't worry about it. I didn't have any baggage, but uh, yeah, it, it, over time it just it, it, it they gave him a stupid new origin, but. Yeah, it's, it's. I'm still not the world's biggest Jason Todd fan, but at least knowing where he came from, mm-hmm. I, I don't. Uh, I'm not. I. I it, it's not. He's not Kyle Rayner. It's just one of those things where I. Um, I. Um, I don't. It, it was right place, right time for me. I guess the, the, the when yeah. this issue hit, it was just one of those things. And and yeah, and and New York played a big part in that. And it's interesting that Jason Todd is a uh, a blonde in these stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because like eventually all the all the Bruce proteges just look all the same. It's like I think he ends up. I do. He ends up buying his hair because it is it, it is black in the uh, in the later issues. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, there you go. There you go. Won't be idea. It's a neat little uh, experiment, and I hope we do it again because there are many, many, many. Um, Issues that we can bring to the t- well, I, I mean, speaking just for me, I, I discovered oh, there that totally are. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully, yeah. I'll find one that Vince will like. It's it's mm-hmm. not a, it's I not know. a thing. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey everybody. Hey, hey, who's gonna hey? Hey. Not, not taking a break. <laughs> well, I don't see. Did you write the issue? I just said I didn't take it personally. Right. So oh there you my go. god. Hey, We're fine. Hey, everybody. It's thanks good, for dude. being here hey. once, once again. Hope you come back next time. Remember, CheapGraphicNovels.com. What is it? CheapGraphicNovels.com. It's exactly what they claim to be. You are going to get graphic novels for cheap.com. Omniboo. Omniboo, manga, trade paperbacks, all that stuff. Place an order. Get that email confirmation, reply to the email confirmation that you were sent there by us, and you will get free shipping on your second order. That's a massive discount. Everybody knows shipping these days is not cheap. I got to draw the line when the shipping costs as much or more than the actual thing I'm buying. In, mm. in, that, in that case, I won't buy the thing. I just don't need it that bad. You know what I mean? So you're going to get free shipping. Oh, my goodness, on your second order. CheapGraphicNovels.com. So there you go. 
EOC, EOC All Stars, bitches. Loved it. That was a fun idea. It. it was, yeah. It's coming back. It's coming back. It was. Yeah, no, I mean, it, yeah, it was definitely a blast. I, I got to say, like, it's, it's, it is fun to think. After all, I mean, nearly, you know, fast approaching 900 episodes, that there's still so many things that we love that we haven't even discussed. It's crazy. Yep. Yep. True. And we'll be back later this week. Yes, we're coming back in a couple days, my friends. So, go to the comic shop, read some comics, kiss your loved ones, eat good food, and say good night. I gotta get a little piano where I can just blink, blink, blink. You got what I need, <laughs> David. Good night. Ding, 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 ding. Think. <laughs> My Lord, Jesus Christ! I'm I know him. David. Ah, nice. Tell him you love them so much. Love them so much. Oh, so much. And we'll be, we'll, we love them so much. We'll be back in three days to talk more comics. Yep. That's a lot of love. Maybe, maybe some even made in in, in the twenty first century. Oh, for <laughs> definitely no promises. Yeah, no I got promise. I got some twenty first century ones. Ah, uh, whatever. It's like I'm living in the eighties, bitch. Seriously, oh, if there's yeah, one real. among us that's always living in the in the past, it's me. There's, there's secret wars. Well, yeah, I mean, you've had a lot more past to live. It's not even true. That's it for that one. <laughs>